Good morning, Vintage Church. How y'all doing this morning? Y'all doing all right? Come on. Well, it's good to see you. How many of you, come on, be honest, parents, you are so ready for your kids to go back to school. Any parents in here like that? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will be if you're not already. Super exciting weekend. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. For those of you, maybe, maybe you're joining us for the first time or the first time in a while at Vintage, we actually take very seriously launching semesters, and we've got so many things planned. Uh, I want to say something about One Child. I know you just learned a lot about them, but I've actually been looking into One Child for years. Uh, I had an opportunity to actually become good friends with Brandon, who came up and spoke about it. And uh, here's what we've committed to do as a church. We have 250 kids that are from the specific church that we're supporting in Honduras. And so here's what I'm asking you. Between all of our locations, can we take care of sponsoring all of those kids? Can we do that? You guys think you can do that? Come on. Y'all awake? We want to take care of that. Hey, a few other things that we have going on as we close out our series uh, in uh, the book of Ephesians called Ephesus. A few other things. Uh, you guys might have noticed school is around the corner, and although you may not be all that excited about it, I personally am, and we've got so many things going. But before we go any further, I'd like to take a moment just to pray for all of our students, all of our teachers, all of the staff in all of our schools. If you're any one of those people, would you please stand to your feet? Church, can we give it up for all of these wonderful people? Stay standing, stand and stay standing. We're going to take just a moment to pray for you, that you have a great school year, that God uses you in incredible ways. Church, we just reach out your hands towards these students and these staff. God, we thank you so much for each and every staff and student represented. We thank you, Father, that they are going to go into the mission field, which is their school, and shine a bright light, uh, Father, of the kingdom, of the gospel. I pray, God, that they would have the mind of Christ. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give them words to speak when they need it. And Father, you would give them wisdom to make this year the best year ever. I pray that you would protect their hearts and minds and position them for maximum impact this year in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, one more time. Let's give it up for our teachers and our students. We also have all kinds of things for you and your family. I want to encourage you as you're making all of the plans, make sure that you get some donuts in the commons and some cotton candy. Uh, that sugar will give you just enough energy to make it out the front door. Come on, it'll be really, really great. Uh, I want to encourage you to do that. If you can, snap a picture. Uh, that'll be great as well. And, uh, you know, we have several things going on. If you're a man in here this Saturday, we have my pastor, Pastor Steve Smotherm, is going to be here for Forge. I want to encourage you, if you have not heard him, you need to come. Uh, but we are also doing uh, men's breakfast once a month all year so as to just encourage you as a dad, a brother, a man of God as we go into the fall. So I want to encourage you to be here. He has an absolute incredible message. We were just texting back and forth about it uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's coming in. It's going to be really, really great. Listen, he has so much wisdom to give men. And so I want to encourage you to be here for that. Also have some exciting news. This last week, we actually closed on the construction loan to start construction on our new building. Pretty exciting. Come on. All right. And so we have a groundbreaking for September 10th. I want you to make sure that you download the app, hop on our website, forward slash events. Make sure that you RSVP. We're going to have a dessert. We're going to have a big ceremony out there with hard hats and bulldozers. And listen, I have asked so many people uh, permission to be able to hop on their bulldozer, and they always tell me no. 
They say I'm not qualified, but this time I'm paying for it. And so I will make sure that we get to be on the dozer there. It's going to be super, super exciting. We'll be breaking ground in September. Some exciting things happening here as well. If you haven't already uh, found out about the There Is More capital campaign that we're in, you can visit vintage.church forward slash more. We still have a small need. I came to you about a month and a half ago. We had a $242,000 need to be able to break ground. We've gotten that number down to 67000 and some change. And so I want to encourage you to keep being faithful as we move up to groundbreaking uh, weekend. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we have a short message today, closing out our series through the book of Ephesians Ephesus in chapter 6. We've been taking a look at chapter by chapter each week. This is the sixth week, okay? And we've been re going through this chronologically in order. I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of those weeks, you can download the Vintage Church app. Make sure that you take a look because here's what's happening this week. The Apostle Paul, throughout his letter, has been giving clarity to the purpose of the church. It was a time when the church was exploding in growth. They were building buildings. I got the opportunity to go to the ancient city of Ephesus and see where many of these first, second, and third century churches were. The church was growing, but as the church grew, they started to drift from their purposes. And the Apostle Paul writes to this church specifically outlining its purpose, and it gave strength and unity to the church. We've been talking about that for the last five weeks. Today, he gets to the strength of the church. Specifically, we start to pivot to spiritual warfare. So it's very important that we keep this book in its context, in its order. So if you missed any of the previous weeks, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. Well, we started something several months ago. We're going to continue to do that. Uh, if you can, would you please stand while we read our passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. And every parent in here said, Amen. Amen. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it will go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. Do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism in him. You may be seated. You may be seated. Here the apostle Paul rounds out the letter to the church at Ephesus, and he's focusing in on the strength of the church, which is found in each individual person understanding how authority works scripturally. There is a hierarchy of authority. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking more about this in September when we start our Wednesday night services at midweek. We're going to be talking about the eight immutable principles of honor, which gives you an idea of understanding God's plan for authority, especially in a world when it just seems like everything, everything's getting tossed up about six feet in the air and then just dropped. We've lost the idea of what the Bible has to say about authority. So the Apostle Paul comes back to this idea of family, which is what the church is, and he begins to build out a theology or a framework for understanding authority in the church. And this is really, really important because our strength comes 
from God's authority. This is the very first idea that he, he starts with here. He's writing this letter to the church, and he's saying, listen, your strength is not in how good you are. It's not. Your strength is not in all the good that you do. Your strength is actually from the goodness of God. It comes from the Lord. My pastor growing up used to say it this way. Everything above hell is by God's grace. And he's reminding the church that when we talk, start to talk about this, this, uh, this topic of authority and relate it to the church, we have to remember that all of us, every single one of us, come under the authority of God. Our strength is understanding that authority. Then he begins to lay out a framework. And I want to hit this real quick. We're going to talk a lot more about this in our midweek service. We're also going into a brand new series this fall. We're going to talk more about this as well. But I want to give you kind of an understanding. First, you understand that you're under God's authority. You're under God's authority. I love this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Do you know why? Because if you did it in the flesh, it would depend on how perfect your parents are. He says, do it in the Lord. Why do we have to do it in the Lord? Because I don't care how good of a parent you are. Okay, your kids are going to need Jesus and probably because of something stupid you did, some counseling. Come on. That's just a fact. So he's saying this is, this is so much bigger than just the human beings in front of you. This is where you begin to understand authority. This is why Satan is trying to destroy the family. This is why he's breaking up moms and dads. This is why he's turning children against their families. The Bible says in the end times, you'll know God's revival's coming to it because it, he will turn the hearts of the children back to the parents. Why? Because that's where the authority is. And so this is really important. We have to be under God's authority. We learn that in our homes. None of our parents are perfect. Notice it didn't say, love your parents. I've been around some parents and they're not very lovable. But it did say, honor them. What does it have to do? It has to do with something in your own heart, in your posture to them, in the Lord. Next we see God's authority in our family. He teaches children to obey their parents because here's what happens. If you can learn to obey parents, right, that aren't perfect, you will learn and posture yourself to be able to serve and honor a God who is. This is very important. We learn about our relationship with God through our parents. As a pastor, I've pastored, oh, for about 10 years, but I've been saved for about 28 years. And I, I tell you, every issue that I have in my relationship with God comes from some dysfunction in my relationship with one of my parents. It always happens. Many of the things you struggle with in your life, we're going to talk a lot about that in the series Stronger coming up. We're going to talk a lot about how to rewire some of those things in your heart and get a biblical mindset on how to overcome them. Next we see God's authority in the church. God's authority in the church. So you see where it's going. We're under God. We learn authority in our family. And then God places us into a greater spiritual family. He says in Ephesians 2.19, So then, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's. Everyone say God's. Of God's household. So when we understand the hierarchy of this authority, when we practice it with our parents, when we live it being planted in the church, next we're able to see God's authority in our work. There's a, there's a path that he's walking you through. Many people, they're so unhappy with their job, Number one, it's because they're not under God's authority. They think that they're just doing a job for an earthly master. That's not what we just read, is it? It says your working is under God. When you understand that you're under God's authority, all of a sudden you can put up with a jerk. That's a boss. All of a sudden you can put up with some of the things that you and I have to struggle with this side of heaven. When you understand God's authority in your family, you can actually take your authority in his family. 
It's all connected, and then it funnels down into your work. This is what the Apostle Paul has to say about what we do. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, I love this, whatever you do, in a room like this, I couldn't possibly guess what all you do. As we approach a brand new school year, I have no idea where your feet are going to end up. Some of the things you're going to be a part of, some of the places you're going to be. Neither could the Apostle Paul. So he's writing to this church, and he's saying, whatever you do, whether it's in traffic, whether it's in the pickup line at school on the first day, and they're trying to figure it out, we would appreciate some grace. Thank you. Right? Whether it's in your job, no matter where it is, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. And then, just in case you're wondering, you serve the Lord. That's a reminder we all have. Next, our authority is from Christ, but our battles are spiritual. The Apostle Paul lays out this structure of authority, but then he immediately goes into the spiritual battle. Now, pastoring in a military town, I didn't quite understand why in the world they train you so hard when I moved here. Why is it that they take you to this thing called basic and all of these different courses throughout your career where the sole purpose, I, I learned this from a commander, the sole purpose is to actually strip you down so that they can build you back up. Why? Because not if, but when you have to encounter battle, you have to fall in line. Meaning there has to be some muscle memory that just takes over when you move, right? So when you understand authority, right, you can then begin to be prepared for battle. Our, our battles are spiritual. Remember this truth. This is a big, big truth. What you see with your eyes is not all that exists. The Apostle Paul pivots from this idea of authority and he begins to talk about the spiritual battle and he reminds every one of us because we need to be reminded. You know why? Because we're in a material world. Right? He, he reminds us, listen, just because you can't see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, or feel it doesn't mean it's not there. The Apostle Paul opens our eyes to this in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. I love that. The world says, be weak in your oppression. Be weak. You know, the Bible teaches us to have a thick skin and a soft heart. The world teaches us how to have a thin skin and a hard heart. God says, be strong. Everyone say strong. strong. You're going to need it this school year because people are crazy. You're going to need it. You're thinking, yeah, people are crazy. Look to your left. Look to your right. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on, I love this, put on, meaning you have to do something. And he tells us what we put on. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you catch how many times he used the word against? It's interesting. It's six times. Six is the number of man. A man who thinks he's God is 666, right? The mark of the Antichrist. We're going to learn more about that as well in the next series. But six is always, you, you see these lists of six, and those are things that you have to do to prepare. We see offensive, we're going we're to learn about some offensive and defensive weapons, but you've got to understand this law of biblical interpretation. Six is always tied to people. It's interesting, 
right? Because he goes on to say, this is all the things that we have to come against, but then he gives us six pieces of armor, six pieces of armor for which to do so. He tells us that our weapons are powerful. Our weapons are powerful. So our strength comes from God's authority. Our battles are spiritual and our weapons are powerful. Weapons don't matter at all if you don't know how to use them. He lists these weapons in Ephesians 6.13. For this reason, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything, take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of of God. I love this. Six things we're called to do, six things we're called to stand against, and six weapons we have to do it. God never puts a battle in front of you that he has not already provided the means by which you can succeed. The question is, are you going to take up the full armor? We see offensive and defensive weapons here. You have to take up your shield, but it blocks the arrows, right? Your sword is an offensive weapon. This is so important. The full armor of God here. We're going to talk more about this, but you see the belt of truth. That's the word of God. That's our source of truth. It was like a girdle. All the other weapons fit into it. Then you have the breastplate of righteousness. It protects the vital organs, the heart, not your righteousness, Christ's righteousness. You ever confuse that? Boy, you're going to be stuck to the core a lot. You have the shoes of the gospel of peace. There's a blessing for those who, who proclaim the word of God. You have the shield of faith. God is good, a helmet of salvation, protecting your mind. We are saved, being saved, will one day be saved. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, alive and active in your life. We're going to cover all of those. And I want to take just a moment. I know we have so many things going on. You go out there and you're just, whew, there's stuff everywhere. First of all, we have 250 kids to adopt. We're going to do that by the end of today. But I also want to encourage you to pick up some materials that we're going to use for this next series. Starting September 3rd, Okay, we're going to be going through an eight-week series through each part of the armor of God. I want to encourage you to be here. I know you have stuff going on. Cancel it. Be here. Be faithful. Show up. 99% of growing is showing up. Many of us, were weak, we're anemic in our faith because we don't show up. There's something that's happening in a room like this. You're hearing God's word. You're being pushed, right? The Holy Spirit's speaking to you right where you are. That doesn't happen, Right? By yourself. Matter of fact, you know what happens when you get by yourself? You get weird. Loners are always weird. I don't care what you say, they always are. Just look at Tom Hanks and Castaway. You start getting alone on an island, you start talking to volleyballs, it's weird. Get with spiritual family, learn. We also are doing a small group in all of our small groups. I wrote a book last year, finally finished it this year, where we talk about the skills necessary to be battle ready. How do you overcome your past? Maybe you want to let it go, but it won't let go of you. How do you overcome different things in your life, different things in your experiences? How do you, what do you actually do personally? What's your PT every single day? That's what this is. And so we're going to be going through that uh, week by week. So there'll be a week uh, in the armor of God, and then there'll be a, a skill that you'll be learning. By the way, if you can't jump into a small group, this would be a great thing to open up with your family and to read and to think through. There's all kinds of reflection questions, different things in there. As a matter of fact, we've made this super cheap. But even if 15 bucks is too cheap, just take it. Just make sure they make a little check mark so we can keep track of inventory. But I want to make sure that everybody goes with us in this next series. We're going to be breaking down all of these pieces of armor. So let's close out 
our series. Six weeks, six chapters. We're going to close out. This is fascinating because the Apostle Paul could have closed his letter any way, but he chose to close it the best way, and that's talking about prayer. He says, our prayers are effective. Our prayers are effective. Put that list up for me. Our strength comes from God's authority. We can never forget that. Our battles are spiritual. Our weapons are powerful, but it's not all about that. At the end of the day, we need God. We need God. He won't orbit our universe. We have to put ourselves under his covering. Our prayers are effective. Ephesians 6, 18 to 24, as we close, Paul wraps up his letter. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, Paul says, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that, pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. You know, you and I, we need prayer for boldness. The world's bold. I wonder what would happen if God's people stepped up in his spirit and answered or countered with the same boldness. I believe it's happening all around the country. We're a part of that, but we've got to pray for that. That's a strength that comes from God. If it's done in our own flesh, it's not going to work. But if it's done in God's spirit, it will. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your heart. So look how he ends his letter. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus. It's so important as we walk through life, as we walk through this fall, as we... None of us know exactly where our feet are going to be every moment. None of us know the challenges and the obstacles that are going to come our way. Some are going to be expected. Some are going to be completely unexpected. Here's what I know. You never rise to the occasion. The Bible teaches us that we always fall to the level of our preparation. Let's be prepared as a spiritual family this school year. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our church and in our lives personally. Father, I hear stories over and over again of what you're doing in our homes with our children. Father, in our own lives, I pray that you would continue to speak to each and every person. In a room this size, I couldn't possibly know what you would want to say to every person. But I, I do know that, Father, wherever your word is present, your spirit is there as well, speaking to your people. I pray that you would speak to us right where we are. Give us wisdom, guidance, and discernment for the months ahead. Father, strengthen us so that we in our strength, can cover people, can provide that strength to people who may be weak so that they may know Christ. Father, I also pray for anybody in here within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you. I pray that they would not leave this place the same way that they entered. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're almost finished, but I want to stay in an attitude of prayer. I believe this is the most important moment in every one of our services, in all of our locations. It's a place and space in the service where we make room for those far from God to draw near to him. Maybe you're in here and you're far from God. Listen, I don't need to ask you an awkward question or shine a magnifying glass on your life. You know if you're playing with God. And here's the truth of it. You will never be all that you were created to be apart from a relationship with your creator and you cannot get to him apart from Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for your sins and the power of his resurrection. And as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, maybe you're in here and you're saying, man, pastor, at one point I followed God, but... And I'm far from him. Like, I know a lot of the things that you're speaking, but I, I haven't 
added obedience. I want to grow in that. I want to get my life right with God. Maybe you're in here and you've never followed Christ. And you're looking around the world and you're hearing the words of Paul, which are and were inspired by the Holy Spirit for you right where you are. And it's drawing you to a change. My advice to you, you will never regret putting God first in your life. As somebody who's followed Christ for 28 years, can I tell you, I've had no regrets. As a matter of fact, God's taken me from one place to another, to another. And as I look back, I realize the goodness and the faithfulness of God and all that he's brought to us. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In a moment, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to do any of that. But if you're in here and you'd want my prayer, you say, Pastor, I'm far from God. I don't want to be. Would you pray for me? Would you just acknowledge that by putting your hands up? Putting your hands up. Just how I see you all over the room. Thank you. You can put it up and put it right back down. You're just acknowledging between me and, me and God. Between man and God, hey, I'm there. I'm far from God. I don't want to be. Is there anyone else before we change the order of the service? Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting. If you really meant, if you really meant it when you raised your hand, if you didn't mean it, the words are just words. But for those who really mean it, they're the power of God to change your life. Say these words just loud enough where you can hear your own voice. I'm going to repeat a prayer from the book of Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. I believe God's going to meet you in this prayer. We're also going to give you some steps. My advice is take the steps, grow, lean in to the family of God. Church, we believe in what they're doing. As a matter of fact, all of our faith either started or restarted with a similar prayer of surrender. We believe in what they're doing. Let's pray so as to encourage their faith as well. Let's all pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are God and I believe you're good. I believe on the third day after you were killed on the cross, I believe you resurrected from the dead. I believe you defeated death once and for all to give me life once and for all. And so today, of my own free will, I choose to make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together for everybody who did that.